It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hey, everybody. This is the one. I am the one and only Greg Gutfeld. I am excited to have with me... uh, a person um, I don't know very well. Why, why am I doing this stupid joke? Would we? I've done that joke a million times. It's Dana <laughs> Perino. She's she has been working on the five with me for years. Uh, we're almost on our tenth Ten year. Years. I know. And you're also now the co-host of America's Newsroom with a guy named William Hammer. Uh, and you have a new book out, which I will plug. Uh, immediately, everything will be okay. Life lessons for young women, and then in the parentheses, from a former younger woman. Uh, well, we're gonna have a long chat about the parenthetical remarks in your book. There's a lot of them. Yes, and you know why? Because you shared a writer with me who loves, he loves pa- them. parentheticals. Yeah. So you have to go through. You have to like go. Ah, not, he, he's not a right. He, he what he does is he reads your stuff and he adds jokes here and there, but they're always in parentheses. <laughs> That's true. That's, but I feel like it's how, like when I read but it, I feel the, like it's how I think. But it's all the jokes are directed at me. I'm like reading it up. Oh, wait, I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, like, and then he would he would suggest another one. I'm like, oh, that's funny too. Yeah, yeah. It's like he'll like goes, and then you realize you got okay. I got 16 insults at Greg, and it's only chapter three. Well, so, you only make fun of the people you love. Yeah, that is true. Um, okay, so your title. Okay, a lot of these, a, a lot of. Um, it's interesting when times are tough, how it affects the way people write things. It's like you, when you were going through a challenging time, the idea of a book called Everything Will Be Okay sends a message. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I had the idea for the book and, and actually was started writing it before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But like right as the – right as actually when – impeachment was happening yeah and we were saying uh this thing in china do we don't we want to think about that maybe mm-hmm. for half a second um so i started writing it but now as the book is coming out um and it's called everything will be okay and it's coming out this about a year it's actually yeah. march 9th is the release date so that's you know a year about from when we stopped working together um in person for a while and, and the country went into lockdown and all that happened it's, it, it sort of feels like it, I think some people think that I wrote it because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, but I do think it kind of just fits the times. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. Fortuitously. Your, uh, uh, my next book, uh, so your book, Everything Will Be Okay, it comes out what day? It comes out? March 9th. March 9th. Mine, uh, my book, Not So Fast Dana, uh, comes out the following <laughs> week. And I, it's where I refute everything March, that you- March 16th. <laughs> yeah, March 16th. <laughs> it's not so fast, Dana. No, it's not going to be okay. Okay? Um how can you be so sure? This is my penetrating investigative question that I've learned from watching years of Geraldo. How can you be so sure, Ms. Perino, that everything will be okay? Well, <laughs> ultimately, it always is. Yeah. Right? I think. Yeah. Well, you die. Ultimately. <laughs> I mean, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found that, I mean, you know me well, and uh, we didn't know each other when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would not have been such a worry wart when... If I had known somebody like you, then could, could, like help me loosen up a little bit. But I I remember basically just worrying my twenties away, and then I mentor a lot of young women uh, around here at Fox, but also just from my previous 
experiences and from friends and family sending me their nieces mm-hmm. uh, or their daughters or granddaughters for me to talk to and help. And they almost all have the same questions. They're all racked with anxiety. And one of the things I wanted to let them know was that, that the things that they're worried about, they're not alone in those thinking. Right. That's one of the things that happens with young women. They they internalize everything and then they think that nobody else is having those same thoughts when I'm like, no, actually, all of you are having those thoughts. Yeah. There's a young lady that works here who read an early copy and she said, I felt like you were inside my brain. Mm. I'm like, yeah, because you're not alone. A lot of people feel that way. You know, um, it's what it's interesting because it, I'm trying to decide, okay, so you have you have all this advice in here for that type of person. And it's like, if you don't have those worries, is that a bad sign? Do you know what I no, mean? No, I, I don't think it's a bad sign. I mean, well, I, I think I think it is. I think that, like, if you had these worries, I had these worries, and also there are other kind of compounded weirdness that happens in your 20s that makes you feel like you're you're hopeless. You're screwed because, like, the interesting thing about 20s is that you're forced to seek out advice, and then you almost never take it because you don't know you don't even know how to apply the advice. Yeah. You know, that's you know, you talk about on the five about the minimum wage mm-hmm. being just the first rung of the ladder. Yeah. And that you're hanging there and you're struggling and you're trying to figure out how to get to that next rung. And maybe that's what you're saying, too, is that that worries of those anxieties that you have. It's 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 a lot of just ambition. Yeah. And you're exactly. not sure where, how to channel it. Exactly. In fact, it is the I want to be like I, this is me. I want to star in a TV show, but I don't want like, I, do I have to move to L.A.? What do, how do I do right. this? Do I need to get a job waiting table? Do I have to have this specific so, degree? Yeah, and you see, and you get so bogged down that I finally learned that you just take a job. But wait, let me ask you something, because when you were at, um, when you worked for American Spectator. Yeah. And you were doing the mailroom. Yeah. And you were helping at um, Robert Terrell's house. Yes. When uh, Reagan came and all right. those things. Um what did you want to do then? Was that where you was magazine editing, which you ultimately became came, went to the top of your profession in magazine writing? I wanted to be like the people that I was around. So it was it was uh, and it was very it was like I wanted to oh, I, like I idolized Bob Terrell, which was kind of hilarious when you think about it. But um, but I mean, like I worked with Andrew Ferguson and he was an amazing writer. And I remember when PJ O'Rourke showed up at the office and it's like, oh my God, what is it like to be PJ O'Rourke? All of these things were like in in, in my orbit. And so so I think that was what I wanted. Um, and uh, and I had no, and it was, it was confounding. It was confounding and depressing to me that I did not know how to do it. Or and also I didn't have the confidence. So the thing, I mean, the thing about being in your twenties is you have the ambition, but you don't necessarily have the confidence, and that is very. It's weird. It's like so. It's like, and I think it was. I'm. I think I'm lucky in a way that my my stuff didn't take off. I mean, I I had before I got the red eye. I was already at the top of my success. Right. But I started over in TV. Right. But you know, but I was I was editor in chief of three top magazines, and I could have just become a consultant and and done coke cocaine for the rest of my short life. But I started over, and I guess I've lost my train of thought, Dana. But that's. But, uh, <laughs> let me ask you this about how. Well, I asked you what you wanted to do. Oh, and you wanted to, you got to the top of that profession. And they're like, well, then what else can I do? And yeah. Well, I didn't know how to, it's, it, I guess it was weird is that I did not know. Okay. 
I got to Red Eye and the Five and the G, at the at the right time, meaning after forty. And there are two, there are two really important things, and you bring this up in your book uh, about uh, romance. Mm. You really do not. You will not achieve the unmitigated success that you really want if you're still dealing with relationship problems or the kind of immature relationship problems that young people have. So if and I, I will bring I can't bring up an example. I'll bring up an example of someone that I used to know, uh, but uh, was always in bad relationships. And the moment this person found the right person, explosion. And I feel that way with me. I mean, career I felt, wise. Yeah, career wise. Yeah. And I feel I felt like, you know, so I met Elena a uh, couple of months before my 40th, well, I guess was I f- like 39, had my 40th birthday. It, yes. So, and then I got married with uh, before I got to Red Eye. But what happens is there's a lot of emotional energy that's devoted to that part of your life that suddenly just dissipates. Well, there's freedom. And you get support. There's freedom and commitment, which yeah. sounds weird, right? Absolutely. But there is freedom and commitment and freedom and discipline. And Are you I- saying you swing, Dana? That's disgusting. <laughs> Yep. Um, and so when I say that everything will be okay, yeah, I, I don't want people to think that that doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. Right, right. <laughs> that my point is that, uh, first of all, if you're born in America, you've already won life's great lottery. Right. If you are an educated American woman in today's America, after all of these ceilings have been, glass ceilings have been broken, mm-hmm. you're in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. They need I, to hire women to clean up that mess. <laughs> I encourage them to not feel... Like victims? I'm going to take that out of context, and I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Do you, I don't think you ever get in trouble. No, no, no. You should see some of the things that I just uh, – uh, no, you're right. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. I think you. Uh, the, what's inter- good about the book is that you're saying it's okay to worry, because I think it's the the redounding effects of of worrying about your worry that drive yeah. people crazy. It's like, what am I doing? Why do I feel this way? What's going on? I don't understand it. And it's like you're saying, uh, dude, it's uh, or dude, s, it's normal. You're absolute. This is exactly how you're supposed to feel in your 20s. If you in that going back to my point about why worrying, not worrying is bad. If you weren't worried about this, you're going to be a loser because I don't you know, you're not going to get promoted. I have friends. I have friends that were having that were rolling along in the 20s who have not. You know, I I, I reference a book um, in my book, uh, Mm -hmm. referencing a book called The The Defining Decade. And it's written by this psychologist who says that you you have to invest in your life in your 20s, because if you don't, you you don't get that kind of return on investment by the time you get to your 30s. Right. This is a competitive world. But here's the deal. So here's my here's my counter uh, point to that. So let's say you're in your 20s and you just hear. What Dana just said, if you don't invest in your 20s, that's going to make them feel like at 29. Holy crap. What do I do next? You don't know what the investment feels like. You just should just work. So it's not it's not like you're going to go, I'm investing in my 20s. Actually, if you just like follow kind of not don't follow your dreams. Terrible idea. Follow (laughs) work. uh, And and um, and then that kind of will will create this bed for you to enjoy later, but you won't even know it. For example, 
um, I questioned the relevance of me writing uh, um, health health front in Prevention Magazine. So Prevention Magazine had a front of the book section. There were like 11 little 150, 200 word stories. I'd have to interview one doctor per item. It would be like um, – Vitamin D helps with osteoporosis, says uh, Yale University study. And then I'd call the guy and I'd – and I, for a month. That, each month I did that section and then medical care news, which was four other items. And I would – I'd be at work and I'd be questioning like, is this what I want to do? I'm writing basic like kind of like mundane articles for senior citizens uh, and it, it was a 3.4 million circulate. It was the biggest health magazine ever. Uh, I don't – it doesn't exist anymore like a lot of magazines. But – um but then as I look back, I go, okay, my interview skills with with, with experts is in my, my analytical skills, skepticism was built. I mean, I had it already, but it was built. And also the, the ability to con- condense writing, like I would have to read a study, interview a guy for an hour and then condense that into a couple of quotes and four paragraphs. That's, that's a TV script. That's a TV script. This is a great example no, of, not, of not realizing no. that you're investing in, in, in yourself yes. yeah, and doing some of those jobs. That, and it yeah. takes a while to do the. And I always say, like, take the job nobody else wants. Right, exactly. And I did that. You know, nobody wanted to work at the Council on Environmental Quality oh, during geez. the White House years. That sounds terrible, right? Oh, yeah. But I did all the environmental issues, all the energy issues. And to this day, uh, if if something happens like in Texas with the big storm and the electric grid goes down, like I know those issues. So yeah. I, I can pull back on that. It's yeah. And then I wanted to mention one thing, too, about the that it's okay to worry. Mm-hmm. I came up with this line while I was writing the book because uh, I was thinking, like, what do I do with it? What, mm-hmm. How do I stay calm? Because I think it was Geraldo one day. He called me energetically calm. <laughs> That's a good one. And I said – Finally, okay. he says something sensible. <laughs> I said, try to figure out a way that you can convert the worry into fuel. Yeah. So can you channel that anxiety into something that is productive? And if you can do that – then you'll be on a much better track. But you have to make good decisions. Yeah, you said to me once, uh, get your butterflies in formation. Yeah, that it's okay to have butterflies in your stomach as long as you make them fly in formation. So it's so the interesting thing is perhaps as human beings, we're misdiagnosing what anxiety is, that anxiety actually is just a, a, the steam coming up, coming off the fuel. I think so. That it's like, like before, like if you, like David, David, uh, who's the soccer player? Beckham. Yes, throws up. Before every game. Yes. And so they, obviously he's getting it, – it, it's directly related to the anticipation and getting prepared and stuff like that. So like when I, I would get – you know, I wouldn't throw up, but I would get stomach issues a lot of times before do, doing live events. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people do that uh, uh, and and then it kind of goes away. But it's just – it is like your body's just getting ready for something and it's – if you look at it, it's like, like before shows now when I would be sitting in the green room – and rather than like, and I mean, I mean, live shows where there's bottles of wine and stuff, and it's like, oh God, I really like to have a couple of glasses of wine right now. But it's like, no, because your mistake, you're trying to treat something that is there for a reason. Yes. You know. Imagine if you didn't have any of that anxiety before a live show, and then you it just, would be boring. Yes, and 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 also you would. I I feel like I've had a couple of shows like that, and they were terrible shows because I either. Wasn't uh, uh, I wasn't alert enough to see the audience, or I was too confident to try, and and uh, and uh, sometimes that works. Sometimes not not caring, you do even better. But like you gotta you gotta care enough to be 
anxious. And so it's, it's weird. You're now coming to your next book, which is how worrying and anxiety can save your life. Because that's, uh, you know, that's. A, well, it is it's your instincts, right? Like yeah. if you're worried, they're usually for a reason. May I ask you something, though? Yeah. Because so as I was writing this, uh, my husband was reading along with me and he said he thinks that men should read it. Um, because then they will understand that they will never fully understand women. <laughs> He's like, wow, you guys think a lot. You worry a lot. But you have managed a lot of people, uh, men and women, over the years. And you've helped – I'm thinking of a couple mm-hmm. of people in particular, uh, young women that you you recognized early on. Like, she's got talent. She needs some mentoring or she needs some some opportunity. Mm-hmm. Was there anything in there that in, in the book that you th- thought, oh, okay, that would – that rings true to me about how to help channel them into a good direction. It's it, you know it's it's interesting that you bring that up because there is a question that I had about the idea of of kind of how the options for mentoring have been narrowed in this modern world. I am extremely aware of not mentoring because <laughs> because I feel like um I've seen if you give opportunities to women and th- there's something else going on. That's the thing that I'm always thinking. So I have to make sure that that like everything is like that. It, it is an unfortunate. That's the reality. Oh, of the I world. see what you, you mean. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So that well, thing, and that is something that everyone's dealing with. Right? Yeah. And, and I think it. I think that because of the scoundrels, uh, you, you, ha- you you've you've cut 50 percent off of uh, off the mentoring options. But to your point. OK, so when I'm I think that I think that I don't know. I, I don't think I noticed the gender issue in in the area of creativity because I'm always what always kind of sparks me is if somebody's thinking like me that excites me so uh if somebody in a meeting I always talk like mm-hmm. uh like uh um Nora Nora was our booker um no interest whatsoever in writing or anything but when I cut when I needed analogy like right it's like she could she'd be sitting there and she goes it's like the episode in friends and then she'd go off into this whole thing about like what Ross and Rachel and blah, blah, blah. And then she'd go into this next thing. And I'd go like, she just gave me four amazing analogies. And then, but then if I, if I said, hey, you know, you should do it. Ah, no, thanks. It's interesting. It wasn't like lack of ambition. It's just like, you know what? I like doing this when you ask me to, but it's like, so it's like, okay, so, you know, that's not a gender thing. It's just a non-interest thing. But then you find people that like, you'll, you'll see something in a guy writing an email. You know, that guy's got a sense of humor. And then you go to use him. It doesn't work. It's an it's a weird thing, but I always go by, I go by how, how do they run, remind me a little bit of me, and that's why they need the leg up because I need like Mark Bricklin gave me who was my uh, my boss at prevention. He's the guy that gave me a leg up. He saw right. he he in my job interview saw one joke in my three samples that I had to write before I had to write in my sample test that he like a lot of it was shit. And then he's like, he's he's reading my thing, and it was like a fake, it was like a fake health front thing that I had to write about something, and it's like, he's like, and he's reading it in front of me with the editor in chief, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going, this is the worst thing, and it's like, I could tell he's he's like, this is bad, this is bad, and he just goes, and he goes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good, good lead there, <laughs> and I'm going, woo, and that and he goes, and that was all he wanted was to see that I could write a lead. And that is really important. Writing punchy, memorable stuff. I always say uh, you got to have a hot spot in every. And I learned that from Mark. You have to have a hot spot in every paragraph. It could be the lead. It could be the end. It could be the middle. But if you have one thing that's memorable in each paragraph, you're a success. Like your monologues. Yeah, yeah. It's huh. like that's why I remove. I'll remove. Like I'll have a two and a half minute monologue, but then by the beginning of the show, it'll be 
you know, a minute 20 yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I go, ooh, that doesn't work. The, um, the other thing about being 20 um, is and, – and, and it's connected to the anxiety and the worry is we have a – we have a um, – when you're young, you don't understand time and you mm-hmm. don't – and you won't understand time until you get older. It, it does it, – it's because uh, – I'm going to say this in the show today. What about the – how 36, 36 is the magical is the age? age. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason and I'll say it now because you're going to hear this after the five, but it's because – if if uh, if life is an arc, thirty six has you on the lower side of the hill, so you can't see the way down. And once you get to forty, you can see the way down, and then everything changes. The, your concept of time, you have all this time behind you. But when you're young, you think you actually feel like you're under the gun. When in fact, you're, if you if it, 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 that is just an ambitious kind of tool that your brain is doing. So don't like you keep thinking you're procrastinating. You're actually not. It's like there are certain things you should procrastinate on. There are certain things you shouldn't do. And then they, and they, like, like I have, I don't know, like 10 scripts that have never been published. But I just don't think they're very good. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, but I, you know, I wrote some of them I wrote and then I just ran out of steam. But it's like I'm going like, what's wrong with me? But I realized that that's just. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Well, I also I don't know if this happened with you, but it might have a little bit. Um. I find I think that women actually are on a little bit of an accelerated biological time reference, right? right? So that's why I talk about this quarter life it's crisis different. because like at twenty five, twenty six, yeah. Now it could be biological, right? That and, um, and also, going, if you want to have kids, you got to think about I got to get all this stuff done now. Yeah, and then you start thinking, wait, I haven't met a guy yeah. that is worth um, yeah. dating, let alone marrying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm stuck in a job where there's doesn't seem like there's an opportunity to move up. Um, the the jobs that I want require five to seven years experience. I only have two. I think I studied the wrong thing in college, yeah. so now I think I'm messed up. I don't like living where I am. I'm tired of living with roommates, and on it, it becomes this whole thing of like I've done everything wrong. wrong, and it's and you all internalize it. You forgot the other thing. Should I go back to school? Oh, well, <laughs> that's, it's a the, lot. that's the tail at the end of the animal. Well, and, and that's happening a lot now because of COVID. I think yeah. that there are, uh, this has actually been very unfortunate. You think about those young graduates that came out of their graduation in the middle of COVID. And yeah. maybe, it, let's say they were lucky enough to get a job. Your first job is working from home in your basement. You don't Ugh. have any colleagues. You don't, they don't have any FaceTime with the boss. They don't know how to um, move up. And everything, that is all going to get better. And right. sooner than, uh, we think because there's a lot of good news on that front. Yeah, to come. And I want to make it clear: like we're not making fun of the 20s. Like, because no. like we're uh, we we've look we can we don't have to be humble. We're success stories. Uh, you might say incredible success stories. Probably the most successful people you will ever hear from in your life. <laughs> but the point is, we weren't. Nope. Uh, you know, if you read uh, if you read Dana's book, I mean. You know, try. You know, you, you didn't. You guys didn't have a lot of money when you were moving, and that these are things. We had that, nothing. Yeah, and I, there was a time. Even so, I was in my mid twenty. This is around when I was twenty six years old. Peter and I, I met him on an airplane. I moved mm. to England. We got married. We were there. We moved to San Diego because we could. Yeah. Um. Peter was going to start a business. I was looking for a job, and we had borrowed some money from a friend of Peter's. And I remember just thinking, like, wow. We had a one-bedroom apartment. We didn't even have a bed. We was like, I think we bought a bed when we got yeah, there. Sounds and like- there was a time. I used to have a lot, a lot of financial anxiety. Uh-huh. I'm the kind of person that pays a bill way ahead of time. Me too. Because I'm so nervous <laughs> about yes. the bills. Peter's the opposite. He takes care of all that for me now, which is a great thing. But um, 
I remember being in a grocery store and feeling totally paralyzed in the cereal, cereal aisle. Because, Not because of the cost of cereal, but more because I was like so overwhelmed with all the things that were coming. And I didn't, I never thought that, I, I couldn't get out of my own way. I couldn't uh, see ahead, but I was thinking way too far ahead, thinking that that was going to be my life for a long time. Uh, yeah. And of course, like two weeks later, everything turned around. I see, I, I remember when I was in DC and at the Spectator, the same the, – oh, the, the, anxi- the anxiety over money. Going out – imagine being a guy going out on a date and you, ha- and you don't have any money in your pocket. So you don't even take the girl to dinner and maybe you can buy two – you try to get the most bang for the alcohol buck. So you do shots at some bar in Georgetown. <laughs> and then – oh, the other thing too is to know the bartenders. It's yeah, like It's to get idea. to know bartenders and then you could drink for free. And, but, and then when I – you know, and then I moved back home, and again, you know, moving back home, I was 24, 25, like 24, and living at home and also dating uh, when you're living at your home with your 70, 65-year-old mom or 70-year-old mom is kind of hilarious. But um, moving to Allentown, going to Prevention Magazine, my salary was 22000 and I was rich. So, I mean, it was like get, all of a sudden my rent was two hundred and my rent was two seventy five wow. a month. I was living in a, the basement of a row home. On 11th Street by the cemetery. But my, the point is, I could afford food. I had a car. And I could go to the, the pubs and the taverns and drink and meet chicks uh, who were just like young girls at, like at, at dive bars. And this, I, this is all I wanted. This is all I wanted. I was making, uh, I was, you know, making twenty two thousand dollars a year. I was, I felt like a millionaire. And then I didn't even like, and it was weird because ambition suddenly, when you get uh, ambition, is weird. It it ebbs and flows. So the ambition goes away, and then I'm like, do I really? Is this what I want to be? A uh, fitness editor at Prevention Magazine, living in Allentown, and then I you know, fall in love with a girl, and then I'm thinking I'll stay there forever. But it's like this is not this is not the path that Greg was supposed to take. <laughs> but then I ended up becoming I kept failing, not failing up or succeeding upward to becoming editor of Men's Health. Because people have, but see, that's what Ugh. I think too. That's why I say everything will be okay. Like if yeah. you are doing all of these things right, you've um, gotten your education, you are showing up on time, you are paying attention to right. the details at work, you learn how to manage up, you keep your cubicle clean, you are friendly with your colleagues. Um, if you're doing all of those things, then opportunity will yeah. present itself to you. But you have to be ready. And prepared to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also say in the book, you know, don't be afraid to move. Yeah. You moved. Yeah. I moved. Yeah. Um, moving is a wonderful thing. Think of all the friends that you have all across the country because you've lived in different places. Not you know people in the UK as it's well. It's exciting too to be in a new city. The only thing I that's, love it. It, it's scary is when it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I, one of these days I'm going to move from an expensive city to a cheaper one. I can't wait for that to happen. Oh, I'm, I know. That's <laughs> going to be amazing. I, I want to move to like, I don't know, maybe Nash, like Na- Nashville, wonderful place. But like just to move, be able to uh, like, like the, the housing in New York City, I'm going to shut up because these are become these stupid uh, thing, uh, these stupid uh, problems that other people. I was going to ask you, you, you said something before the moving that was important. Um uh, if you do all the right things. Yes. Two people have said this similar thing to me. I think one of them was Scott Adams in one of his periscopes about like if you just like if you solve kind of like the oh, the, like the most obvious problems, like don't get a, don't go to jail. Yep. Don't go to jail. Get Big an edu- one. Yeah. And get an education. America will make you a millionaire. He said it's like it's like if you just don't go to jail and you get an education people. And he said if you're if you're um, uh, non-white. 
people are going to be handing you jobs and you all you got to do is be there and do your you're going to you're going to be rich somebody else uh, uh, i can't remember his name very successful told me in america if you work straight for 10 years there's no way you can't be rich like you're, there will be a, like if you learn something really really well and do something unique and i mean i think that's probably it might be elitist but it, it, no, I think well, I, but I actually think that the data back, backs that up. Yeah, if you look across the board, mm-hmm. um, you know, we live in a great country. Yeah, and for now, anyway, <laughs> that's true. Demon crats. I just had to do that. I th- I, I think um, I would like to say too that uh, I never really thought I would write a book mm-hmm. until I one? met you. You saw how easy it was? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But um no, I but I you know I had I I you know I love reading. Yeah. I love books. Mm-hmm. I love writing. I just never thought I could really do it well. And then that first one that I did, um I'll never forget the compliment when you called me. You read it on a plane mm-hmm. flying to California and when you landed and you called me you said this is really good and I was just so blown away that I think that there's another thing that I talk about in the book which is pass along the encouragement mm-hmm. and the compliments when you can. Help help each other out. Be willing to do that. Um, it does come back around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to, you know, the interesting thing about compliments, you got to pace them. You don't want to give too much at once to somebody because then they get used to it. Yeah. Then they start complaining if okay. they don't get it. You know, <laughs> so it's like, I, I, you know, it, it's just like you it's got, like an adulation meter. Like yes, you have to like keep yeah, that, it full at yes. a certain level all the time. Yeah. But I always try to make sure with the like the GG staff that like. Because we have to write these intros for guests. And intros are hard, and I can tell And they're when, so important for yeah, the show. Because you know what? I believe that that's the, the diving board. Totally. You know? And everybody it, wants to – everybody yeah. – I think everybody wants to make sure they don't miss the top of the show so that they can see the intros. Yeah, but the thing – sometimes they're not good, and it drives me crazy. And it's like, why are they not good? Is it because they were – there's somebody on vacation, somebody not here that writes them really well? And then all of a sudden I'll get 12 that are just – I can't pick because they're so good – um, and once we go, once we go nightly, that is going to used to drive me. You know that we used to do ten a day with Red Eye because I'd reintroduce at halftime. I go, we're back with Dana Perino, uh. and it was like, so we do, we do four in the beginning, right? Four in the, but then I insult, yeah, I'd insult Andy and <laughs> and Bill. So that's five. I guess it was five, and then we'd come back in the we B block and do. I mean, C, C or D block. Well, I don't. I don't know why I put so much pressure and work on every on, on that. But you know, it's interesting. So we started this podcast talking about how you were you would write those um, one mm-hmm. you know, those short paragraphs for Prevention mm-hmm. Magazine, and that was your job. Yeah. So someone's going to have the job. Yeah. Like, to, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you spaced yeah, yeah, it yeah. out for for writing the intros, but. Yeah, that's going to be a big deal. But just don't do it twice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just do it once. <laughs> yeah, just do it once. Just do it once. Do you think? I know I've kept you on for like twenty, almost a half an hour. We do you. There's some other pressures to the workplace that young people don't have. That I mean, this I I, I would call it a cancer, but maybe that's too strong a word. Wokeism. I mean, there's a whole new world. In, yeah. in, and okay, so like you talked about meeting, you know, meeting your husband on a plane. I, you know, I. Every I think almost every woman that I not that's not true. Seriously dated women I work with. Like uh, uh-huh. how do you uh, meet even, people if not at work? Yeah, and Elena worked. Yeah, Elena I was know. a photo editor. But we also of we didn't Maxim. have online dating though, right? Like yeah, there were no true. ways to like s- sort things out. Not I'm not saying that online dating is ideal by any means, but some people think just, of the pool. Oh my god! It's think insane. of how much bigger the pool would have been. Yes, and the, and the stories that I hear are like in, like it sounds like I like oh my god I'm, I like I thought that I like. People, I I won't even get into it, but it's insane. And 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 uh, <laughs> but the thing, but the thing is, like, you have to 
do you, is it better just to keep like, keep your head down in this world of compliance? Like it, in corporate compliance, you have everything from you know beware of phishing, you know pH phishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, have you done your safety? Uh, compliance, but then you get into the world of behaviors. So it's uh, unconscious bias training, diversity training, and this is stuff that I would have made fun of. And uh, if this were happening twenty years ago or ten years ago, but it's like, do you just keep tell kids keep your head down? You may you may find like unconscious bias training. I find morally offensive, and I won't do right, it. Right. But it's like. If if you if the cor- if your corporation is basically saying, look, we got to do this for legal reasons, it's just like having a fire safety pe- person on your floor. So if you could just look at it that way and be and play fair, so it's like okay, I kind of get it, but I still I don't want you know. It's like I don't know. Do you understand what I'm getting I do, at? I do, and I, I and uh, you know I, I'm around your age, right? Like I, I early forties. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess the, the one thing I write about in the book is that you should absolutely. Never post anything yes. that your boss is never going to forget. Right. Um, I had this one young woman who used to work with me, um, and I was looking at her Instagram account, and I thought I would never hire her again. Mm. Yes. So just be smart about it. Yeah. It's also like it's weird. We're like you know I can't blame. Like when people do vacation pictures, I get it. It's so funny because it's not their fault. It's not their fault because skiing pictures are great, but when they go to the beach, it's not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's more clothes when you're skiing. <laughs> there's more clothes. And it's just like it's like it's like you that's a detail. That's a detail that maybe when you're posting these pictures you aren't aware of. But everybody else is. It's like, oh yeah, they're skiing. They're, it's like they're, they're all and then it's like I don't want to no, see that. No, you I, I work with know you. That. Right. Keep it private. Like if you want to post that for your friends, have a private account. Yeah. I bet that will be seen as morally offensive, what I just said. How you know, it's not up to you to decide what I wear and what I don't wear, Greg. It, well, also, you. frankly, it's not up to anybody else to tell you what is morally offensive. That is true. Right? Yeah. I find Brian Kilmeade morally offensive. Completely. Yes. He's on TV right now. <laughs> That's why I was looking up and there he is. I, hey, thanks for reading the book. I really appreciate yes, that. Yes, it was, it was. I knew but, you did when you saw the jokes about yourself. Yeah. I was like, I was going, okay, that's the seventh one. And it's like, I got to tell Paul. Paul, but by the way, it's not like he, he did. Paul is like a guy that asks to read your, read a book. He does this with me all the time. And we all thank him afterwards. And he'll, he just writes little Little asides. Little asides. And, and you use like you use like one out of five. Yeah. 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 His wife is staring at me right there now. Was I, one, know, I know this is all going back to Paul. Uh, but there, there was one that um, he insisted. Oh, it was the one about Elizabeth Holmes' voice. Yes. And he loved it. And I thought it was very funny, too. And it, Warren. Elizabeth Warren? No, Elizabeth Holmes. The uh, the thermo, thera, thera blood thing. The the woman who... Oh, got, I, oh yes, 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 yes. She, you know, she... Yeah. The fraud. The fraud. Right, right, right. And she has... It's really weird. She looks like me, and her voice is so deep. It's so <laughs> weird. And so I thought that was very funny, and then it was going to get cut like three times, and then a young woman um, read it, and she sent me a note. She goes, that was the funniest thing. I was like, keep it. See, I didn't. Get, the thing is, I didn't get it because I didn't know who she, you could because, tell. Because, but like, you know, these young people, they love these true crime yeah. stories and podcasts. You can't, they can't get enough of it's them. It's true. In fact, if you look at how their Netflix new series is, are all based on like tiny, uh, big little lies. The same kind of music, foreboding, uh, 
a famous character, A-list actress, secondary actress. Odd secondary character. Something went wrong. What is it? We'll tell you. Yeah, they Five t- parts. All you have to do is close your eyes. You could tell the story from, yeah. from that. Except I do. Did you ever watch the BBC thing with uh, Hugh Grant playing the politician? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so good. That was very good. That was. Very, I thought that was the best thing he's ever done. Also, we just saw him in something else where he played a very serious guy. And we thought that it was like one of he's his better into, roles. You know, he's turning into a better actor as he gets older, and I would. Do you know I, what Peter says? Um, Peter's British, so he makes fun of people. You know that, like Hugh Grant, who had that that famous stutter. Mm-hmm. You know, because that was so charming. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. And he's, he's given that up. Yeah, that's true. Because that was up up at the beginning. Now I think he would be a great James Bond. I think he would be. They need a good James. They, uh, somebody. Devin's shaking her head. No, he would be a terrible James Bond. You know what? <laughs> you're you're not part of this conversation anymore. Anyway, I guess I got to go. Um, Thanks. Thanks get, so much. Get my crap together. I'm really? hot. It is hot in here. It's very hot. It's very hot. I'm going to have to talk Devin, to Devin, it's hot in here. Devin, it's hot in here. All right. That was very fun. Thanks, so Greg. you have to go and buy Everything Will Be Okay. Uh, Dana Perino, she is a number one New York Times bestselling author. You have two bestselling books, right? Two New York Times. I've got five, so you have you have a ways to go. I got a ways to go. But no, I think that this, <laughs> I'm telling you, who thought it was a good idea to write a book? During a pandemic, in an election year, <laughs> when you had a major new change in your career. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> yes. It's a lot. But, but you know what? Everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. Especially when you figure out how this, how you write a book. That's the see. Writing a book is, seems so daunting until you figure it out. Oh, you know what, out. though? It's like one of those things. Like, I thought I had a really good draft. Um, I started writing it in February. So then it like, gets to be August. Mm. Do you, do you do this? you rewrite the whole thing? Oh, I've rewrite, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in fact, I enjoy, I enjoy throwing stuff away. I never used it to It made before. it so much better. And then, yeah. and then I, on the next read, everybody was like, oh, wait, this is better. Yeah, it's like uh, you can actually, um, like, you have to ask yourself, why am I trying to save this baby? Yes. Why am I trying to save this baby? You have to be honest with yourself. This is a very ugly baby. We need to throw this I baby like out. The way. Always- this is not a good analogy. Uh, when I mean baby, that was an analogy for a, a uh, needle-pointed pillow. I call them my my collection of needle-pointed pillows babies. Sick people. All right, I'm going to go now. I'm so sweaty. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.